Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. Dare I say the cleanest hour in podcasting. This is going to be a pretty fun, fantastic, very fast 60 minutes today. I guarantee it. With me today is Brandon Kinder. Brandon Kinder. Ralph, what's going on, man? How How are you, sir? I'm very well. I hope you are. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to to talk to you about uh, BioPure. BioPure. What is what exactly is BioPure? Let me just get that out of the way. Sure. Uh, BioPure is a company that my wife and I started uh, right here in Greenville, South Carolina in 2016. And we like to think of ourselves as microbial disinfection. If you're a redneck from South Carolina, the thing that you might call it is we do germ control. So the thing, <laughs> instead of thinking about pest control, instead of thinking about pest control with ants and roaches and rats, we come in for the stomach bug, for staff, for MRSA, for flu, the, the common cold. Oh, nice. Yep. Nice. Did I, I said Virginia. You're in um, Greenville, North Carolina. I apologize. South Carolina. South Carolina. We're, we're just, we'll keep coming south. You're almost there. I, yeah, I had to go a couple <laughs> of states. I started up high, working my way down low. That's right. Is, <laughs> is that where you're from? I am from South Carolina, born and raised in South Carolina, not in Greenville. Greenville is a big city compared to where I grew up. I grew up in Sumter, South Carolina, which is an awesome town, uh, about 30, 45 minutes um, near our capital of Columbia, South Carolina. Really? So how long have you been in Greenville? I moved to Greenville in 2006 when I graduated. I graduated school from the Citadel Military College down in South Carolina. I graduated in 2006 had the opportunity to go back to Sumter and uh, did that for just a few months and then moved to Greenville in 2006. I've been here since 2006. Wow. Why'd you move to Greenville? Because of a girl? No, I was, dating, <laughs> I, was I was dating a girl at the time who is now my <laughs> wife and, and the mom to, to our four kids. Um, but she was actually in Sumter. So I, uh, everything was pointing me towards Sumter. That's where I grew up. And it's just the town that I love so much. And all of our family is there. But Greenville was uh, was where I was supposed to be at the time, and, and it's funny. worked out for us so far. Yeah, I was just I was just playing. Normally, <laughs> you know, if you ask me how I got to Long Island, it was a girl. It was the only- <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's always isn't that always the way it is? Most of the time, it is, and Most sometimes it works out great, and sometimes you shouldn't have moved to Long Island. <laughs> no question. No, it's working out great. How dare you? No. Amen. <laughs> Um, so what was it like in Sumter then? Are you, are you an only kid? How many, do you have brothers, sisters? Nope. I have two younger sisters. So I'm the oldest, uh, growing up in Sumter was awesome. I was traditional small town America, but both my parents were high school sweethearts. Wow. Um, they're together till, till this day. What did and, they do for, what did they do for work when you were growing up? Man, this is actually a funny story. So my parents had me as they were finishing high school. So I am blessed that they've stayed together and been apart and just raised us in a great Christian household and Christian environment have been great model uh, parents to, to both of my sisters and I, but my dad, when I was really young, he worked in a furniture factory. And then I remember him as I got a little bit older, he worked for a concrete company. And then when I was in the sixth grade, Ralph, my dad actually moved, moved away for two years to Atlanta to go to mortuary school. So my dad was in the funeral business for uh, most of my childhood from from sixth grade to eighth grade. He kind of commuted back and forth to uh, Sumter, to Atlanta, to where he was going through mortuary school. And uh, he came back and started working with the local funeral home in our town and did that all the way up till I was in college. And then he got the opportunity to go to work for an insurance company and he's gone on to do great things in insurance. He and a partner of his have acquired the insurance company and they've grown it to a couple of locations. So um, my dad started out at the bottom in a furniture factory and now he's a successful business owner um, in the insurance industry today. Wow. What a story he has. What about mom? <laughs> my mom's the best, man. She's been a, uh, she's been a homemaker and been my number one cheerleader all the way growing up. So she was just the best mom and she's still, she's a great Mimi today. I have four kids. My sister has four kids and my youngest sister just had her second. So she wow. has her hands full with 10 grandkids. And you said her, they, they call her Mimi. Mimi. What yep, do they Mimi. call it? What do they call your dad? Mimi and Papa. Papa. <laughs> I am a, I'm a brand new. Well, uh, we're almost a couple of years in 
but a grandfather myself. I know I look amazing. I appreciate Congratulations. it. Uh, Congratulations. But, but I got to tell you, I don't know what the heck I want to be called. I don't. <laughs> it's so funny. Something is it better? Well is it better or worse being a grandparent or being a real parent? <sighs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I imagine, uh, you know, he's, he's just a little bit, a little baby right now. He's uh, just, so, or just over a year. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. How fun. How fun. Yeah. Well, I love being a dad. I love being a husband. I love being a business owner, but I especially love being a dad. I have three boys and then a baby girl. So I tell everybody it's a party at my house every single day. Sometimes it's a good party and sometimes the party is not so good, but nevertheless, <laughs> it's a party. <laughs> I, I loved, I loved being, a. you know what, you know, what's funny is my son's now 34, 33, 34. Good Lord. But I remember when he turned 18 hmm. and I remember our relationship changing from, you know, prior to 18, it's because I said so. And then right. after 18, I have to make an argument. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have to, I, because he, now he can do whatever he wants, you know? And yep. so I still don't want him to stick his finger in a light socket. So I'm like, all right, wait, don't wait, don't make a decision. Wait, 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 let me collect my thoughts. Hold on. I have a good, I have a good reason why not to go down that way, you know? <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. We could go on for stories and stories and stories about the the boneheadedness of of young boys. <laughs> it's, it's, it's and thank God for it because uh, I'm a better man because I was a bonehead. I think uh, as a as a young man, but uh, I agree. I agree. We we all have our fair share of um, things that we probably could have made better choices on. Yeah, no question, no question. I'm also, I'm also, I like, uh, I like to believe there are no, no accidents, you know. So yeah, I had just, just yesterday, I got home, and the boys were doing something with the four wheeler in the backyard, and he was kind of stuck in a tree, and instead of just kind of stopping, pulling forward, and just gently getting out of the tree, he just gasses it like a young boy would do, and just rips one of the side bumpers off the four wheeler, and just, hey, you were, you were already stuck. What made you think just to give it a little more gas and you could get over that tree? And he just, oh, I don't know, Dad. I just thought that was what I should do, right? And I'm like, well, you should have just pulled forward and it would have all been good. But now we have a broken fender well on the four-wheeler. Out of the way. <laughs> it made sense to them at the time, right? As as it could only make sense to them, right? That's, yep. that's, the, that's the challenge. So it sounds like your dad was like kind of like this entrepreneurial path his whole life. Like, you know, he was kind of doing whatever he had to do, but eventually all he wanted to do was work for himself, which seems like it's the same place that you went. Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. I think uh, deep down inside there's nothing wrong with being a, a great employee and being a part of, of a team and being a part of a culture and just contributing in that way. But, but I think you're right. My dad, deep down inside, I remember, um, you know, him talking about wanting to buy into the funeral home business and, and, and really get invested in that. And just as, as chance would have it, he, he never could execute on that or get the opportunity from the current owners. So he, he pivoted and, you know, um, not late in life cause he's not that old, but he did pivot at a certain point and went from, from the funeral business to insurance. So we talk about death and taxes. He's kind of been, been right there in the, <laughs> you know, in as some of the businesses that, that aren't going anywhere. And he's, he's done phenomenal. And they just recently expanded, I think to location number three. So, so yeah, he's, he's great. for sure an entrepreneur and, and doing great. When you said that he left for two years, traveling back and forth to learn this business, I'm thinking to myself, nobody does that to be an employee. They That's only right. do that because they have a bigger dream in their head. They Amen. want to own something. They want to be part of something bigger. They want to be an employer. You know? And he had uh, the example from he had the example from his dad, which was my granddad, who who had a successful. He was an orthodontist, so he went to dental school and specialized in orthodontics and had several uh, orthodontic practices. So so my dad got to see that modeled as a little boy, and then that was some of my inspiration uh, growing up as well. My granddad operating a successful small business and taking care of everyone in our community. Yeah, that's really, really, that's, it's really special. And I think that, you know, I've been doing this for a while, this interviews type and just meeting great guys like you and just learning about their history. And it, it's real common to find some thread back when you're a little kid. Like, what was your first job? Do you remember what your first job was? Did you sling newspapers? Did you, like, what well, did you do for I was, when you were a kid? I was the kid who would 
spend the summers with my grandparents and they would have me in the garden and they would have me, you know, as a young kid, I remember the first, what I call real job was when I was in high school, I worked for an insurance company, just doing, running errands and filing away and working, working in the office, which is kind of funny. I've never said that out loud that I worked in the insurance business. Um, but, but yeah, it was just, just getting after it. And I played a ton of sports. So a lot of my time was chewed up during the school year, during the summers and the fall play, playing sports. But, uh, yeah, so was it like, was working for do you, do you remember getting that first paycheck or the first few paychecks or what it was like to have your own money as a, as a young man earning your own money? Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember uh, one summer I worked for an HVAC company and they might have, I can't remember what they paid me per hour, but I, it was probably the first time that I'd worked uh, 40 hours in a week and you look at the paycheck and oh my gosh, I'm rich. Yeah, yeah, all summer, <laughs> right? Yeah, because yeah, you've, you've been getting an allowance or you've been getting grandparents giving you some birthday money here and there and you're trying to stretch a hundred bucks to last, to last all summer and then you work you know, a real job and you work real big boy hours and you get a, a paycheck for five or six or 700, 800 bucks. It was a, it was a big deal. It is a big deal, right? And I and I I I bet that that's. I remember, you know, this is so funny. I just thinking about it right now is I there was a there was a, I went to a, a grocery store and I had the same kind of situation where it was like my first time getting like my first full, paycheck. You know, like working forty hours or whatever, and it was like almost four hundred dollars. It was like three hundred <laughs> and like it was that was a lot of money. And I remember the the lady behind, at the grocery store. I went to the grocery to to cash my check. The lady that was behind the counter to cash my check was there was a girl I went to high school with, and she was behind the she worked there, and nice. so she wasn't cashing my check, but she was right there. And I remember once she saw how much I made, I was a new person to her. Oh, that's remember, awesome! <laughs> I just remember her making some comment like. Oh, I didn't know you made that kind of money or, you know, like, a, oh, look at you or something. I don't even remember the words, but it was something where I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Get, even get attention with my I had no idea, you know. You did it. <laughs> I had no idea. It was a young, young man. Just That's a great story. That's yeah. a great story. I think we all need to just remember the the pride that we all have for going out and working hard and earn, whether it's a hundred bucks or 800 or a hundred thousand, just the pride that it makes you feel. I heard uh, someone make the comment the other day, you know, if you could go out and earn a hundred thousand dollars or somebody would give you $250,000, which one would you want as a man? Earn it. And as a man, we want to go out and we want to earn it and we want to be able to have pride in what we're doing. So I think that might be one of the things we need to get back to as, as society, as business leaders, as, as people leading businesses and who have uh, team members on our team, let people know that it's, it's, it's good to feel pride in what you do. Not a bad pride, a good pride that you went out and gave a hard day's work. I agree. I, I think my, I, you know, I, I even remember with my own kid, I remember when he got his first job and at the age of 15. And, and by the way, he was 15 and, 1996, 1996, 1997, he's 15, 16 years old. And they had just raised a minimum wage rate from like $5 an hour to $7 an hour, something like that. Nice. And it, so it wasn't a lot of money, but what it did was it made him his first job. It made him unemployable because <laughs> he wasn't worth $7 an hour. Like it was like seven fifty or whatever, because he'd never worked before, you know? And so, there were 18 year olds competing with 15 year olds for the same entry level job. Wow. And I remember it being a real challenge and, you know, he's putting out applications, you know, you ever try to get a 15 year old to put out an application to, to <laughs> once they do one application, they think they've done they're like, yep. I did my work, you know, I'm waiting. We're done. We're done. We're done. They're going to call me when they want to, if they don't call me, well, then I didn't need a job this year. That's kind of how he was looking at it. <laughs> and, you know, typical 15, but I remember, I remember, when he finally got the opportunity to work at a car wash, he and his friend both got hired. They're both 15. I don't know what the owner, whoever hired them, I don't know what they said, but those two kids worked like they were about to be fired at any time. Like they put on their best foot for, you know, like they really, really worked hard. Mm -hmm. They did a great job. But again, it was like months of, or weeks at least of, you know, it's hard to compete because of minimal, you know, they're, they're, and, and the, the amount of money that they're going to make, they were super excited about. So they're excited about that. But 
I'm just saying that once they got that money, there was never any stopping him. He, to this day, he's always been such a go-getter. That's awesome. I love to hear those stories. Probably yeah. a great, probably some great leader or some great manager at that car wash who was able to motivate them each and every day to give their best. And, and again, dang lessons in that for, for us today as well to, to make the most of every day. And we got the opportunity to impact people every day. Some of us impact them for good. Some of us impact them for bad. And the, the more people we can impact for good, the usually the more successful we'll be. No question. You said you were into uh, really into sports. What was your favorite sport? My favorite to play was football. Again, small town, went to a small school. Um, so the favorite to play was football. I was probably uh, a little bit better at baseball. So baseball was, 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 was my true love, but football, it's hard to beat those, uh, those Friday night lights, right? So yeah, football course. was fun, but I, I was better. I was a baseball player. Which position did you play in football? In football, I played running back. Oh, offensive mm -hmm. side. And we nice. played both. We played both. I mean, again, it was a small school. Oh, yeah. So you were playing both. You were the kicker one time. You were the quarterback. And then you That's were a right. defensive end. Long snapper. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching a football game at high school, and it was literally that because they had just enough kids to man the field. You know, mm -hmm. they might have had 14 and they needed 11. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so there was an awful lot. There was a lot of a lot of kids playing both sides of the ball. It was pretty fun to watch. They were exhausted after the, sure. <laughs> after the game. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So how did you how did you end up going to the academy? You said you went in the military. Yep. So actually, I got recruited to play baseball. Um, so I didn't uh, had a, I was a recruited walk on with a little bit of an academic scholarship. So I wasn't a scholarship baseball player, um, but I was a recruited walk on to play at the Citadel, and I ended up. You know, like my first semester, after my first semester, I quickly realized I was in a, I was in a new league. I was a, I was a big fish in a small pond early on. And that pond got a lot bigger with a lot bigger fish as I went to the, you know, division one college level. So after the first semester, I gave it up and I focused on school and, and uh, the Citadel is not like one of the traditional academies, the Citadel, we're required to be involved in the ROTC and do all the military science and wear the uniform and do everything that you think of at a military school, but you're not required to take a commission in any of the branches. Hmm. So usually I don't, I don't know the stat. I would be wrong if I said, I'm just going to say 40%, somewhere around only about 40% of the graduating class actually take a commission. It might be higher or lower some years. Um, but I just, I did the Citadel and did the military and did all the requirements while we were there, but I did not take a commission um, because we pay to go to school. We don't go to school like the academy. You know, they sign a contract and part of their commitment to that contract is they get school paid for. We paid for school. Um, and then some of my classmates, a lot of my classmates chose to take a commission in any branch. So Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard. And then some of us just go regular civilian life. What was the deciding factor for you? How come you didn't go military? I don't really know. I, I can tell you the the thing that I have told myself over the years is at the time I thought I was a homebody and I was I felt like I was so focused on getting an education and getting out and getting into the workforce and and going to work and trying to start making money that I told myself that got a, a four or a six year commitment in the military. They could send me who knows where um, was was not what I thought I wanted. I would say I don't have very many regrets in my life. Um, but if I do, if I could go back and rewind that clock, I probably would take a commission day one because part of your commitment for those years could have been served while I was at the Citadel doing school. So um, I'm, some of my best buddies in the entire world are st still in today. And it's funny to think that they're getting close to their 20 year career um, now. But I, I probably should have. It's a great yeah. country that we live in and and there's a lot of great people and and I, I just appreciate what everyone in the military does for our country. And it was a, it's a special place for sure. You, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because when we first started this conversation, you were saying how much you really enjoyed where you grew up and that right after college, you went right back to where you grew up. And, yep. you know, it was a, a few months later that you found yourself in Greenville, but maybe that's all it was. Just like you're saying, you just never wanted, never envisioned yourself leaving. Yeah, I think you're right. And I can I can remember just 
looking out of the window at one of the barracks in the Citadel and thinking, man, I can't wait to get out of here and start making money. And, and it's kind of short sighted, not that I'm money focused or money hungry. I just thought that's what you were supposed to do. And, you know, looking back, a lot of you know, a lot of the young folks I talked to today talk about, oh, I would never go to medical school because it's another four years. But, you know, years are starting to go by like that. So really, in the grand scheme of things, investing another four to six years in secondary education, whether it's going to law school or going to medical school or going into the going into the military or, or whether it's even taking a few years after and just tasting a bunch of different uh, opportunities and, and doing some different roles in different business. My experience with college, and this is just mine, I know it's not for everybody, but mine, I felt like I got programmed to think if you're not a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, an engineer, or a like a, a school teacher, kind of some of the five majors that they talk about, then there's not very many other ways to make money. And just because you don't have life experience. And I remember one of my, my very first job out of the Citadel was with ADP, automatic data processing, selling payroll and tax filing services door to door to businesses that had zero to 50 employees in them. And I remember I was in um, Hendersonville, North Carolina, and I knocked on a door. Gentleman had a Range Rover sitting out front. His office looked pretty nice inside. I said, sir, what do you do? And he said, I buy and sell airplane parts. And at that exact moment, I remember thinking, Nobody at the Citadel ever taught me that you could buy and sell airplane parts and and create success with it. And then that was the best job for me to have right out of school because literally there were guys picking up trash that had created successful. But I just got to see so many different flavors of of restaurant owners and business owners and service industry ways that you never even think of folks that have created a niche and, and created a successful business. And that was one of the things I feel like that helped me because it took the lid off of my thinking to think that if you're not one of the, the majors that they offer in college, then there's not a way to create success or create wealth. And it was, uh, it was the best, the best path for me. That is, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty great. It's pretty, it's interesting because you're right. They like, I don't know that I, I remember I went to uh, Champlain College, a small business college in Vermont, and they had this thing where they had a BYOB, which was bring your own business. <laughs> and and it was like this class where you got to bring in, you could actually do a project around some type of a business development thing. And it was the greatest, like I did my project on a thrift store. You know, yeah. like everybody that was bringing something to the table, nobody was like, oh, I'm going to show you how to open a dentist. Nobody, that wasn't it. It was I'm going to make snowboards. I'm going to open a thrift store. I'm going to start this company. I'm going to start a service that, you know, so it was, it was the same kind of thing. Like we had all this exposure to all these different ideas of how to make money. Like, Holy moly. Well, it's funny. I mean, pre-show you and I were talking about your experience prior, prior to, to the business that you're in now. And I think the reason for that Ralph is because it's what we see modeled. Right. If, if your dad was an attorney, then there's a good chance that you're probably going to be an attorney or be uh, be affiliated with mm -hmm. something to do in that industry. If your dad's always been a business owner, an entrepreneur or a doctor, I was I had a conversation this morning with a financial guy and he was like, man, I got this client. He's a doctor. His wife's a doctor. Her dad was a doctor. Her brother was a doctor. And it's just kind of what <laughs> the culture that you grow up in. Right. I mean, the things that you and I have heard, you, you become who you hang out with. So. One of the problems with that is if you only hang out with people in one particular industry or in one particular business, you don't get to experience that there's guys making snowboards and, and creating a living. The Internet has helped with that a lot because now you can yeah. see all the, the the different businesses and you can see people pursuing their passion. But, but prior to the Internet and being able to share like you and I are sharing, if you didn't know somebody in your town or in your family that was connected to a business, then how would you know that you could go out and start a cleaning management business. <laughs> you, you wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I didn't know until a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> so how did, how long did you, so you did actually sell airplane parts? No, I, he was just, no. I was just cold calling. I was knocking oh, okay. on the door trying to, I was selling for ADP. I was trying to oh, sell right, him right, 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 payroll, right. And, payroll and tax filing services. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And so how long did you do that for? I did ADP from 2006 to like 2008, like two first couple of years out of college and uh, got some, I think ADP to this day, they, they're still ranked one of the top corporate sales training programs in all of corporate America. So really? they, they sent me off to New Jersey. I was trying to think of the town, New Jersey for two weeks. They fly the new hires up there and for two weeks. It's intense sales training, sales training, sales training, sales training. 
for two weeks and they send you back to your town and, and, you know, give you a slap on the back and say, go get them. So I'm extremely grateful for, uh, for ADP and the training that I got from, from them. That was uh, just the first couple of years out of college. And that was really good training, huh? Very good. I did that. And the second thing that I always give credit to, I know it's got a little bit of a stigma, not now as much as it did in years past, but I also started building the Amway business. So while I was in college, I built the Amway business and, and did it as successfully. Uh, I, I, I had some success, just a little bit. I thought I was going to retire and never have to get a job my entire life when I first started the business. But uh, that Amway model of just personal development, reading books, associating, listening, talking, asking questions, and really building up yourself. I give those two organizations credit for some of the success that we're having today because it it made me focus on me and uh, in a good way, not in an egotistical no, no, self-centered no, I, way. Made I me focus on me in terms of building myself. A lot of people say, you you know, you you your business can't outgrow your self-image. You know, if you're not growing yourself and associating with people and ADP and Amway certainly helped um, help me become a better version of me or put me on the path to working on becoming a better version. I saw, I attended a, a few seminars mm -hmm. on Amway. I, I never, I was never able to, um, to get into it, but that's when I first heard Zig Ziglar yep. or Jim Rohn. Like yep. those guys, even today you get a Zig Ziglar tape or a, I just met Tom Ziglar, who is Zig Ziglar's son, who is, uh, taken his father's vision and passion for sales and education and personal development is continuing it. So it's pretty, it's awesome. Awesome. pretty great. I love, I love that stuff. Still to this day, I eat it up. I ordered a, a new book on Amazon today. That was a referral from a, a mentor of mine who just said, um, the name of the book was the measure of a man. Nice. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you exactly who it was. The true measure of a man. Let's see if I can pull it up while we're talking. I like that. The true measure of a man. Yep. I have a tape measure right here on my desk too. So. <laughs> awesome. The measure of a man. Who's it by? Who's it by? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Amazon orders. I just ordered it. Orders. Arriving on Wednesday, the true measure of a man was written by Richard Simmons. The true measure of a man. How perceptions of success, achievement, and recognition fail men in difficult times. Is this the same Richard Simmons, the diet guy? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I there was a podcast a while ago. It was a uh, where is uh, Richard Simmons or something? Because like nobody had seen him in a while, and they thought he was missing. I'm gonna write it down. The true measure of a man. I like the title. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of personal development books too. I can't, I just got done reading David Goggins book. You can't hurt me. Oh yeah. Have you ever heard, you ever read that? I have not read it, but I've, I've listened to a bunch of Goggins stuff. Goggins, yeah. Goggins is actually referred to in uh this is the book that's on my desk right now. Uncommon leadership by Ben Newman. And he, he does a whole chapter on David Goggins in here. So I'm, I'm nice. with you on the personal development stuff. I think it's one of the, uh, the best ways to become a better version of yourself. It's certainly the best way to get sales. It's the, certainly the better way to to build a business, to raise a family, to be a dad, to be a husband. You know, it, it, there's nothing. I don't think that anything is equal to personal development, spending time and effort on bettering yourself. You know, what's funny, too, is you were saying, you know, like in, in retrospect, you know, it was only this many years or that many years. I don't remember who, but I, somebody had said something very, very profound to me once I was contemplating going after another degree. I was like, oh, I don't know if I should go try to get another degree. And they're like, well, how long is it going to take? I'm like, well, to get a master's, you know, like two years, sometimes it could take a little longer. And they go, you know, two years are going to go by anyway. That's right. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's totally accurate. Like you can, you can end these two years with the same place you're at, or you can end these two years with a master's degree. What are you going to do? Amen. All right, I guess I'll go after a master's degree. Amen. Those two years are going to go by anyway. I love it. Super great. So ADP, then Amway. I mean, how, how do we get into BioPure? Yep. How so Amway, Amway and ADP. And then I leveraged that because I, uh, I thought I wanted to go to dental school. Again, I mentioned my grandfather. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got a business degree from the Citadel and I'm a hair, a few hours shy of having a minor in biology because 
instead of taking, you know, Frisbee and basket weaving, I took <laughs> or, organic chemistry and anatomy, physiology, I took all the prerequisites for dental school and I actually went through and took the DAT. And I am not a great test taker. I did terrible on the SAT and I did not do well on the DAT either. Um, but so I thought I wanted to do that. It was a kind of a dream of my, more so my granddad's than mine. Thank goodness. And I leveraged my sales experience with ADP to get into medical sales. So 2008, 2009, I got into medical sales on the laboratory. So I never did pharmaceuticals. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't. I was in more of the durable medical equipment, the laboratory space, um, pharmacy. Um, so did uh, medical sales until about 2010, 2011. And then in 2011, I got into dental sales. So I went to where I got hired by 3M. And uh, believe it or not, 3M is a giant company and they make everything. And I had no clue. 3M is the world's largest dental manufacturer. So all the things that they put wow. in your mouth when you go to the dentist, the cement, the adhesive, the composite, all of that stuff is made by 3M. So starting in 2010, 2011, I got hired by 3M and I started selling all the, all the things they put in your mouth when you go to the dentist. That is crazy. On a side note, you know, there's a company called 4M and they're a building service contract, one of the largest in the country. Anyway. How awesome. <laughs> you you would know. 3M, 4M. Is there a 2M? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> a 1M. No, I had no idea. That's pretty great. So yep. 3M is, I mean, don't they make like every post-it notes and office supplies? and They make every. I think, a, uh, I can't remember this. That's something like, you know. One out of every six Americans comes in contact with a 3M product like every hour or something crazy. I mean, holy it, it, moly. Bananas. Don't quote me on that. There's, I remembered it when I was selling for them because they make you know, everything in your kitchen. Every, I mean, they make all the whole autom automotive industry with the films and the adhesives that they make and the tapes and the post. Yeah, 3M is a, a giant company and just a, a great company to work for also. I heard a uh, a stat like that once, but it was about beer. It was every other six pack sold in America was an Anheuser Busch product. <laughs> I don't know if that's true anymore, but apparently at one point it was. <laughs> awesome. So, how long did you work for 3M? So, 3M, I worked for them. Just call it 2011 until 2018. Holy moly! So, so kind of we get to where BioPure comes into play is I was at uh, it's called the Hinman Dental Show. It's uh, one of the largest dental shows in the world. They have a handful of these shows in different places around the world. And Atlanta is the host of one of them called the Hinman Dental Show. And I tell people, think of like Costco or, or Sam's Club, just hundreds of thousands of square feet facility. And it is any and everything that you can and things you can't even imagine related to dental. And 3M has this giant booth and I'm standing in the booth. It's uh, spring. So I, I refer to times of the year. Uh, what what hunting season what hunting season it was but so it was it was right before turkey season so <laughs> turkey season 2013 I'm in the World Congress Center in downtown Atlanta Georgia and I'm talking to a customer and over my left hand shoulder I hear somebody make the comment that technology is going to change infection control and that comment Ralph got down in my heart it got down in my spirit and I never could shake it this gentleman I, I ended up tracking him down a little bit later on in the show but he was selling like some type of colloidal silver, some type of crazy juice that well, we were talking about pre-show that is supposed <laughs> to be the, the next greatest. You can drink it, you can clean it, you can do everything with it. Um, but that comment that he made got down in, into me and I never, I never could forget it. And I still don't forget it to this day because I tell the story that when I heard that statement, it changed me. Um, we were right. We had just had our second son. He was born in February. So we had, I came home to a brand new baby from the Hinman and, uh, just research. I really couldn't do anything because we were, I had a, a newborn and, and another son and we were growing. And in 2006, so that was 2013. Two years later, I research, I start, my wife and I start what becomes BioPure in 2016. And I never quit my, my 3M job. I, I continue to sell for them and just do the, the side hustle, the nights, the weekends, the whenever I could find time. And I wasn't shortchanging 3M. I, I have some if anybody follows BioPure on social media, um, I've been putting out November was our fifth year in business. So I actually started our LLC in November of 2016. So in a celebration of being in business for five years, I started putting out some old content because back in 2016, 17, 18, when it was just 
me and my wife and, and one service vehicle. And it was me dressing up like this, going to talk to a dentist about 3M stuff and then changing clothes in the parking lot and getting up underneath someone's house to do a crawl space inspection. And I documented a lot of those videos. Um, so I kept doing the side hustle. And then in 2018, we had built the business up to a point where um, we had continued to have kids along there. We had three kids and we were expecting number four. And uh, we were able to get the business to a point in 2018 where I could resign and walk away from 3M and really focus exclusively on, on building our family's dream and our family's business. It's such a great story. So I love side hustles, by the way. I can't get enough <laughs> of side hustles. I just, I just, I just love it. I just, you know, I know a lot of people who are like, you know, these, these people nowadays, they, you know, they're all unmotivated. I'm like, you should see them at home. I mean, they're yep. motivated. They're, they're building things. They're, they're creating things. They're having a great time. They're just unmotivated at work, you know? So I really appreciate that side hustle. So tell me. And again, I, I disagree with that a little bit. Not, not the, not motivated at work. I think. How it, dare you? you. It, no, it's it's what, it's what you you don't get what you want. You get what you are, right? So if you're going and, and you're one of the videos that I just posted, I said, man, today I made one of the biggest sales I've ever made in my career at 3M. I gave 3M every, I didn't shortchange them because I was trying to build my business. I gave 3M my best and I always did my best to, to meet my quota and surpass my quota and do everything they were paying me to do. And I would encourage any business owner or any person who's currently employee and pursuing a side hustle, you can't give 50% at your job and then expect yourself to give 100% when you go home for your business. You need to be all in in both places because they're paying you to do it. You have a commitment. You have a contract to that organization and to that business. And, and you wouldn't want somebody doing that to you. That's the mindset that I had when I was building my business while still working with 3M. I don't want one of my future employees giving me 50% or less effort while they're chasing their dream. I expect them to, to be 100% all in. So hopefully if you're listening today and you're pursuing a side hustle while still working, I encourage you, you, you don't get what you want. You get what you are. So get be all in in your day job and be all in in your side hustle. I'm going to have to write that down. I like that a lot. You don't get what you want. You get what you are. Yeah. I want a great marriage. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great business owner. I want to be a great friend. Are you a great friend? Do you pursue your wife? Are you intentional with your kids? Do you give your business and your customers everything? Or you just talk about it? There's a big difference in thinking about sending my wife flowers and actually sending my wife flowers. <laughs> I can go home tonight and tell her, I thought about sending you flowers today. Or I can show up with flowers and the response is a lot different. <laughs> that is that is profound and simple all at the same time. <laughs> profound and simple. I saw this I saw this demonstration once where they were talking about they were using it, they were using the example of a hard boiled egg and a carrot. And so a hard boiled egg, if you add water, so they had they had they started out with a heart with an egg, not a hard boiled egg, just a regular egg and a regular carrot. And they said, if you add boiled water to both of these, one's going to get hardened in the middle and the other's going to get soft. So the hard carrot's going to turn soft in the, in the heart, in the boiling water and the, the delicate egg is going to turn hard with the boiling water. And so you don't want to be either one of those. Instead, you want to be coffee because when you add coffee to boiling water, you change the water. Amen. That's an, old zig, water that's an old Zig. That's you. a classic Zig Ziglar story we we're talking about earlier. The carrot, the egg, and the coffee bean. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like what you're just, what you just said. Kind of reminded me of that whole thing. Like you can, you can uh, blame the wind or you can use the wind. Amen. Yeah. So tell me again exactly what BioPure does and how does it? Like, what is the actual application? Is it a product, a service? A, uh, a light source, a uh, ionizer, a chemical, what is it? Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me finish kind of the, to get you to 2021, kind of the history. And then yeah, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll kind of segue into that. So 2018, we walk away or I, I resign from 3M on great terms and pursue our business. And I actually I'll bring on a partner, a, a, a true friend for the past 20 years of mine. His name is uh, Scott Andrew and he owns a, a really large company and has a background in franchising. And he and I partner up and uh, it takes us, he, he's, I've always, he's been a mentor of mine. So as, as my business was growing from 2016 to 2018, sometimes better than others, 
I was sharing that success and some of the struggles and the victories with him. And he said, man, I think we have something that we can scale. And he has a phenomenal organization called Retail Service Systems, who's in the furniture mattress and bedding industry. And they have close to 500 locations all across the U.S. And uh, Scott and I partnered at the very end of 2018. And it took he and I um, and the chief legal officer approximately all of 2019 to complete our FDD because we decided we wanted to sell a business opportunity in every state in America. And we felt like we have a, we had a, a duplicatable model that we could do that. So 2019, we, uh, we opened a couple additional corporate stores. I had two locations that I had already built one in Greenville, South Carolina, and one in Sumter, South Carolina, my hometown. Throughout uh, the end of 2018 and 2019, we opened up a store um, where he had an office, which was in Columbus, Ohio, another one with great friends of ours in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Hickory, North Carolina. So we had five locations. Um, we get the FDD across the finish line in the end of 2019. Again, pre-coronavirus, pre-COVID, people can't even spell coronavirus. We were talking about staph, MRSA, flu, salmonella, the stomach bug. We were just talking about germ control services. Uh, We've complete the FDD and sell our first franchise location number six in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, November, December of 2019. We sell another location in Charleston, South Carolina, January, February of 2020. And then my wife and I shoot away with our kids to go on a ski trip, February of 2000 to the end of February, 2020, right before the airports went crazy. And when we came back, I talked to some folks on our team and they go, there's over 300 inquiries on our website for folks that want to own a BioPure business. So we started hiring, we started putting the infrastructure in place. And last year we opened up about 48 locations across the U S and about 18 different States. Today we're right around 50 locations in 20 different States across America. And, and I tell people the only thing we do is germ control. We don't vacuum, we don't sweep, we don't mop, we don't dust. We don't even take out the trash. We specifically come in to educate our customers on what is cleaning, what is sanitizing, what is disinfecting and what is sterilization, because we've been fooled by companies and salesmen for years and years and years to think that when you squirt that can of Lysol in the bathroom after your son or daughter's thrown up, that you're killing the stomach bug in that bathroom. And it's simply not true. It's not that that can of Lysol cannot kill the stomach bug. But you have to do it the way that it reads, on the way that Lysol tells you to do it on the back. And it says to kill H1N1, you must apply enough liquid for surface to remain visibly wet for three, four, five, eight, sometimes 10 minutes. And we just squirt it in the air. We make it look good. We make it smell good. And we think we're safe. And, uh, and that's the, the niche that BioPure provides. We come in to sanitize and disinfect both commercial and residential spaces. And we do it with our own brand of chemistry. It's called BioPure Clean. It's a chlorine dioxide based material. And then we do it through electro, the world's best electrostatic application. So we're doing touchless disinfection after the facility or the home has already been janitorially cleaned. Very cool. Very cool. I am uh, quite familiar with um, both challenges. One on the side of how do you like a lot of times, so I work in long-term care, nursing mm-hmm. home, senior care centers. Yep. And one of the biggest challenges for us are like, it's not the handrail. It's the gym equipment. It's the time clock, you know, the hand, you know, it's the thumbprint time clock. It's the keyboards. It's the, it's all the places where, you know, you can't throw in a vat of chemical. You yep. can't, you know, it's very hard to get gym equipment is one of the worst. It's just the hardest thing to clean. Mm-hmm. But if you get in there with a, with some type of a, a sprayer, an ionizer, a fogger, you know, something like that, then it has all that technology to where it can get in there and yep. disinfect. One of the biggest challenges, I mean, you, you tell me, but one of the biggest challenges that, that we've always had is that there isn't any disinfectant that has any penetration application, you know, so you, you have to clean the surface before you disinfect it. Otherwise, hundred percent. The analogy I give our owners, the analogy I talk with our customers about is like washing and waxing your car. You wouldn't you wouldn't shoot out to your driveway this afternoon and immediately start waxing your car because you would do more harm than good. You would start grinding in that dirt and that mud and you'd mess up the paint on your vehicle. Uh, a surface. I tell all of our customers, 
we are not in replace of your current janitorial protocol. It is what it is. If you like it, keep doing it. If you don't like it, I could potentially help make some recommendations, but you have to, that's the minimum required standard is vacuuming, sweeping, mopping dust and taking out the trash, making sure there's no coffee stain on the boardroom table. If there's coffee stain on the boardroom table, there's going to be a coffee stain on the boardroom table when BioPure leaves tonight. The, <laughs> the surface has to be janitorially cleaned in order for us to properly sanitize or disinfect it. And, and that really is one of the missions of BioPure is changing or challenging the standard of clean because there's such a misunderstanding of how things need to be cleaned, how things need to be sanitized and how things need to be disinfected and how to do it properly. Everybody yeah. just thinks you can, you know, prepare chicken on the countertop tonight and then take a rag and some 409 and squirt on there and immediately wipe it off. And you just got rid of the potential for E. coli. And really all you did is you just smeared it and spread it to where to the top of your oven, to the other parts of your kitchen, to the to the baby's high chair, because we have never slowed down long enough to properly understand how do we actually eliminate those pathogens that are making us sick? And proofs in the pudding when you see RSV or you see hand, foot and mouth or you see the stomach bug running through a, a, a child care center or you see the flu running through or you see what we've experienced over the last 18 months run rampant around around businesses because we've gotten really good at cleaning for appearance and cleaning for smell. But we're horrible at sanitizing and disinfecting. I think one of the one of the first times when I really got called to task or one over, over one of the, the first virus that I got called to task over was C. diff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, C. diff is a, a, in, in nursing homes, it's very common. It's, um, it's very, very common. And, and the thing that I didn't know, you know, when I, I didn't go to medical school, so I didn't know getting, getting into cleaning that C. diff was going to rule my life. But uh, C. diff is a, little critter that lives in your colon yep. and the reason that we get sick by c diff is because somehow it makes its way from your colon to your mouth and once it does that it gets into your stomach and it causes all kinds of of havoc and so now that i put that image in your mind you can see how it gets there <laughs> yeah. you can see how important cleaning is oh right and so all of a sudden you're seeing how important cleaning bedside tables are overbed tables are you know handrails uh you know uh, wheelchairs you know, all these things in, in healthcare that we use going from the bathroom to yep. the to the bed or from the toilet to the chair. We put out a blog post over the past year and it said, I think the title of it was Germs Connect Us All. And you think about just how nasty that is to think about, but it's true. Um, germs connect us all. And if you're not doing a proper job of of first cleaning and then moving beyond cleaning to sanitizing and disinfecting, then then you're missing the boat and and you're connected to a lot more people than you think if we're not doing those steps properly. Yeah, no question. No question. It's such a it's such an interesting. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Um, let's talk about contact time. So the way that and you tell me if I'm getting this wrong, the way that I understand contact time is it's all always about the evaporation rate. So however long it takes for a product to evaporate is essentially how long the contact time is going to be. So it's going to evaporate. So if it's on there for five minutes, if you put a chemical on a, on a table, on a surface and you leave it wet and it takes five minutes to evaporate, that is contact time. Is that, is that close? I, yeah, I agree. I mean, for, for the listeners that maybe, maybe are not as familiar with what Ralph is talking about He's talking about the actual it's it's concentration versus time. So the actual amount of time that this that this juice, we can call it disinfectant, we can call it cleaner, the amount of time that this juice has to stay in contact with a particular pathogen. Let's just use the term germ, you know, as as being a, you know, a catch all term, but the amount of time that that material has to stay in contact with that germ. So so you can think of it if you have a really strong chemical then the time can be less. If you have a little bit weaker chemical, then that time needs to be needs to be a little bit longer. Uh, some people call it dwell time, the amount of time that that chemical has to dwell. The analogy that I use when I'm teaching this is I think about the ant beds in your yard. So for, for years and years and years, we've taken, gone to Lowe's or Home Depot or a big box store, and we pour some poison on that ant bed and they scatter. I say in the traditional environmental services world for the last 50, 75 years, We've tried to use a poison to kill germs. 
to kill pathogens. And, and now we're starting to see, Ralph, you could probably give more examples than I could, but there's studies where we see MRSA growing inside the bottle of bleach at the hospital because it's been able to mutate around mm-hmm. that poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use a different category of chemistry called oxidizers. The most common oxidizer is peroxide. Peroxide, there's some problems with peroxide in terms of being caustic and corrosive and causing some discoloration, but there's all sorts of aldehydes and phenolics and Quaternary ammonia is the biggest brand of chemistry that we've used in the janitorial industry for years and years and years. And there's all sorts of shortcomings that come with those. A lot of them are really effective at killing stuff, eliminating germs and pathogens. But what we're seeing now in our business, at least, Ralph, is a lot of uh, these businesses in the name of trying to kill COVID, in the name of trying to eliminate germs, they're ruining the inside of their business because they're putting these caustic chemicals and corrosives on top of a a boardroom table and they're showing up and going, Oh shoot, the varnish is tearing off. Oh shoot. The, the light switch is turning yellow. The, the toilet seat is, is corroded. The, the pain is starting, the elevator buttons are starting to like look funny all around them. So we're really passionate and excited about uh, our BioPure clean material because it's an oxidizer. It's got a no wipe, no rinse, no residue claim that is incredibly effective against germs, virus, and bacteria, um, but yet it's safe enough to be a no wipe, no rinse, no residue for food contact and food prep surfaces. Yeah, that's really great. Uh, in healthcare, one of our biggest challenges is contact time, and and and, and I'm not talking about for disinfecting purposes because if the contact time is five minutes, contact time is five minutes, right? So whatever. Right. But the, the challenge is in, at least in long-term care, in most of the, every long-term care facility I've ever been in, there's two different types of laminate. There's a high temp laminate and a low temp laminate. All furniture in that kind of establishment is made out of pressed particle wood. And then it's got a laminate on top of it. Mm-hmm. And high, the, the difference between high and low temp from a cost point of view is amazing. It's almost like twice as much. Like you can get a overbed table for $198 versus $298, right? Like it's a big disconnect, but the problem. So we have found in 2020 is the low laminate, the low temp laminate is not porous, Mm. meaning Mm. it's not waterproof. So a lot of these chemical companies came right out in the beginning of 2020 and they're like, Hey, 10 minute contact time, 10 minute contact time. And to your point, all we were doing is ruining furniture yep. and, and not inexpensive furniture. And you know, when you have a hundred rooms and you just ruined a hundred dressers, 200 dressers, that's, you know, at a few hundred dollars each, all because we're trying to keep the soft surface wet, Yep. you know, yeah. You're so right. You're so right. And prior to the show, you and I were talking about just how much noise is in this space. And there's um, probably well-intentioned people running out, telling a lot of different stories about about whatever chemical or device that they're selling. And and some of it is just some of it is true. Some of it is, is not true. Some of it, the truth is being stretched a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, do you, Mr. Business Owner, do you, Mr. Homeowner, know what material is being used inside of your business? Because we're seeing the the issues with, you know, there was a recent article last year in the Wall Street Journal about the airlines going, oh, shoot, the rivets in the tray table are starting to rust. The the vinyl on the on the on our chairs are starting to crack and get brittle. We thought we were doing a great thing by trying to kill all these germs and disinfect every five minutes. And now we're ruining the inside of our airplanes. I got a buddy who's a hotelier and he's seeing serious issues inside of his hotels because corporate told him to disinfect every five minutes with this juice. And now that juice is eating up the every desk in his, in his hotels. (laughs) And I don't know if you know this, but today as was January, 2020. So it hasn't changed from January, 2020 to today. The CDC says that you should use a chemical that has a claim to kill C. diff, but that's what it says. If you don't have access to it, bleach and water. Yeah. So they're still reverting to bleach and water, which is a great killer, but it's caustic and it causes all kinds of damage to your point, to fabrics, to plastics, to vinyl, to leather, to carpet, to, I love talking about bleach, bleach and water, because um, in my state, South Carolina, 
our Department of Social Services still recommends a two to one bleach water solution, comma, mixed fresh daily to our child care centers. And I ask every child care center that I go into, do you know why there's that comma mixed fresh daily? And they go, no, we normally just put a put a piece of tape on it and update the date and use it till it's gone. And I said, well, they're not trying to be a pain in your butt and cause you to do more work. But like chemistry tells us evaporates the, the, the moment you dilute bleach. Within 24 hours, it is dirty salt water. It's no so longer effective. Yep. You're killing some germs on Monday, but Tuesday through Friday, all you're doing is spraying dirty salt water and smearing all those little germs around your facility. Yep. And I had another guy tell me the only, and he said the only, and I mean the only, and Brandon, I mean the only good thing about bleach is its cost. <laughs> <laughs> he said, other than that, it's not any good because it's dangerous for you. It's, it's, you know, lethal if mixed with the wrong chemical. And number three, um, Number three is just going to ruin your surfaces if you don't give that yeah. fresh water rinse that they call for. It, it, it's, it's so interesting that there's so much technology. I mean, they're, they're now being able to ionize water yep. and make an effective disinfectant out of just water. That's yep. crazy. I remember when 3M, let me throw it back to 3M for a minute. I remember when 3M came up with the boost machine. 3M was the first ones to come up with this pad for stripping and refinishing floors or stripping floors, taking wax off of floors. Mm -hmm. 3M created the first pad to do that without a chemical. Uh -huh. Prior to 3M, you always had to have, you had to have a stripper and then you had to have a mechanical exhaust in any room you were doing the stripping because it was very caustic in the air. You know, and 3M was like, you don't need... You don't need anything but water. Watch this, you know. Yep. So yep. the technology is to your point when you said that that you overheard that guy say that technology was going to be the thing that changes the what do they say that how it, technology is going to change infection control. Infection control. It really has. And I am Ralph. I am a huge fan of technology. I try to stress to everybody on our team in BioPure Nation that that BioPure is not a silver bullet. There's lots of people running around today talking about silver bullets. If you if you throw this bipolar ionization into your ductwork, all your problems will go away. If you if you put this UV light over here in the corner, all your problems will go away. And I tell people, do not ever let me or anybody at BioPure tell you that overpromise and underdeliver. But there's something called the Swiss cheese effect that I read about last year, and it says that that BioPure is it doesn't call out BioPure, but I'm paraphrasing. BioPure is not the silver bullet. Bipolar ionization, not silver, but UV light is not the silver bullet. Social distancing is not the silver bullet. Wearing a mask is not the silver bullet. But if we stack some of these modalities and some of these technologies on top of each other, you can't just wear a mask and get great results. You can't just hire BioPure and all your problems go away. But if we do several of these different modalities and leverage technology, then we can get some really desirable outcomes on the back end of that. And, and the proof's in the pudding. There's been many articles. I, nobody wants to get political, but there's been tons of articles written in the name of COVID last year. We virtually eliminated a lot of these other seasonal illnesses that we see a lot of. And the doctors are given credit to masking, hand washing, and properly disinfecting surfaces. You know, I got to say that working in long-term care, the flu has been a nemesis, a thorn in our side for, forever. Forever. Well, for me, I've been in long-term care for 20 years. It's been every year between the middle or end of December till the beginning or middle of February, we have the most deaths from the flu. Yep. Complications of always every single year. And every year we always have to have hand-washing conversations because that's how it's, that's how it's passed. It's Amen. passed because of hand washing. And there's only so much, you know, because again, I work in the cleaning industry. And so anytime you have an outbreak, doesn't matter if it's GI, VRE, C. diff, the flu, doesn't matter. Everybody is quick to say, where's housekeeping? Where's housekeeping? And with peace and love, I know that sometimes housekeeping gets it wrong. Sometimes we don't hit it, you know, a common work surface area enough. Or, but most of the time, it's hand washing, it's hand yep. hygiene. Yep. It's literally, helping somebody go to the bathroom clean up after going to the bathroom and then feeding them dinner <laughs> without washing your hands. Peace yeah. and love. That's how it happens. Right. It, there's not much housekeeping can do. Nope. Then over the last 18 months, two years, last, last year, 
very few, not not very few deaths, not just very few deaths from the flu, very few cases even being reported from the flu. And it's yep. got to be because of hand washing. Yeah, shameless plug here. We just, uh, last year, we launched our own brand of hand sanitizer. It's a water-based, but it's a residual hand sanitizer. So it's got BZK in it which is the active ingredients that's just as effective as alcohol. There's a recent study from BYU that points to that, but uh, there's nothing that can replace warm soapy water, washing your hands for the proper amount of time. That is the gold standard that's recommended by the CDC. And that's still what re we recommend, but where it's not available, um, a water-based hand sanitizer is proven to be just as effective and alcohol like like bleach you know there's some significant shortcomings from alcohol-based hand sanitizer number one it dries you out and now you get a crack because you're using it 97 times a day now you have an exposed wound so now you're even a higher rate of infection number two three and four is it's incredibly flammable uh, number it's it's toxic it's getting in your bloodstream so so looking at uh biopure shield our residual based hand sanitizer has been a great option and we're doing some studies with different microbiologists to prove that the effectiveness over time is significant but just because of, of technology uh, so it's, it's really cool to, to how we need to focus on multiple not only server prior to prior to covid the cdc said you know most people get sick by touching a dirty surface and putting it in their eyes their nose or their mouth but now with with covid everything's so focused on the air people just think Oh, we can forget about the surfaces. Let's just get the air right and all of our problems will go away. And it's just simply not true. It's there's the the industry does not have to be as confusing as we make it for our customers. And I think if there's guys like you out here giving the proper information and properly educating people, then then we can beat this thing and we can truly do what BioPure's mission is, is to change the standard of clean. Thank you so much for being on. How do people so for, I have a, a couple of questions. Sure. One are you still selling franchises as fast as we can sell them? So how does somebody, how does somebody obtain a franchise? Like what's their first step? Should they just go to biopure.com? What is it's the, a, it's dot .com. So if you go to biopureservice.com, um, there's contact me, there's franchise information available. Um, check us out there. Obviously Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, we're on all major social media platforms. Our marketing team does a great job of, of getting us out there and promoting it. So, yeah, anybody that's interested would love to talk with you. If you want to email me directly, my, my email is just Brandon at BioPureService.com. And then I, I even I, I try to be as available as I can. So if you want to call me or text me, my cell phone number is. Hold eight on, I'll put it. Hold on. I'll put it in the yeah. chat. I'll put it yeah, in the sure. chat. Let me see here. You're fancy. Oh, that's right. Oh, we've had a lot of chats. Look at this. Oh, Jennifer's already on it. Jennifer's see. Jennifer knows what she's doing. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'd, we'd love to have a discussion with you. We're we're just getting started, right? So, uh, fifty is a big number from where I started at one, but it's nowhere near near where we're going. Yeah, that's super great. What is? The, do you really want to give out your number? Absolutely. What is it's, it? It's eight zero three four nine one four five seven seven. And this is for Brandon. Yep. I just posted it on all social media. That'll teach you. <laughs> I love, no, I love it, Ralph. I listened to the uh, I listened to an Ed Milet podcast the other day, and he was interviewing the the one of the former CEOs of Starbucks, and he gave out his uh, his cell phone number and his email on it. And I think one of the misconceptions, the stigmas that we got to get past, is the higher you go or the more success you have, the smaller your circle gets, and this and that. And I think some of those are just are, are false. And I don't ever want to be uh, somebody who's not available. And, and I certainly don't sacrifice my family or my kids or my wife for that. But if I can help somebody, that's what I want. That's that's one of the things that BioPure wants to do. I want to help that mom or that dad or that business owner, or that entrepreneur set up another revenue stream, another source of income for their family. And if we can pay a small piece of that, that's my mission in life is to help as many people as we can um, create success. And it's, it's not success in terms of BioPure standards. It's success in terms of their standards. Some of them. Hey, I just want enough money to take my wife on a great vacation or put my kids in private education or, or do whatever. We just want to help. I think right now in America, this has opened up a Pandora's box, but right now in America, there's never been a time where entrepreneurs are needed in America. Like they are today. Small business owners are need because the things that we're talking about, the conversations we're having, the relationships we're, that we're building in our community are what's going to make continue to keep us great. So yeah, I'm I, completely, 
you can give myself an all you want. If it gets too crazy, I'll change the number. But <laughs> I, I, I appreciate anybody who's interested. There was a day, there was a many days where I prayed for our phone to ring. And now it rings sometimes more than we can answer it. And, and I'm grateful for that. So I'll, I'll give it out next time we're on the show if you'll have me back. And, uh, and, and so if, are you, if you're hiring, are you hiring too? So this is the same, they just go to biopureservices.service. No, yeah, S no, at the end. yeah, no, that's Yeah, there's that, and then there's a location tab on there. So if you're in South Carolina and you're interested in Biopure, there's a you obviously have my, my contact information. But if you're in Arlington, Texas, if you're in Houston, if you're in Green Bay, Wisconsin or Boise, Idaho or Boston and you, and you want some information about the Biopure in your area, there, the contact information is on our site as well. Awesome. Awesome. Don't go anywhere. Thank you all so <laughs> don't leave. I want to still talk to you about it and this show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for being on, Brandon. I really appreciate it. I really thank appreciate you for that. having me. Thank you for having me. We need to do it more. We got we got to get the proper information out there. I, I agree. And and you know, I say it all the time. The cleaning industry is the seventh largest industry in the world for a reason. It's because it's super needed. It's super mm. valuable. It's super important. And, you know, just like what just like what Brandon's talking about with BioPure there's all kinds of ways to make money in this business as well. So if you are interested in joining up with a good company, has got a good mission and, and doing really good things, this is a good place to start. That's it for us. Brandon, Kinder, Ralph, Peterson, the House Kids Podcast.